0: weather and so if you had any kind of picnic or outdoor activities planned, I trust it was very enjoyable. Certainly haven't had many days like this recently. Tonight we continue our Study of the life of Moses. We uh, fast forward. The last time we saw Moses, he was taken out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter, life preserved, and had the opportunity to grow up in the palace. Now it's fast forward, not just in our study, but in the scripture itself. We move to Moses in his adulthood. And tonight, we emphasize the fact that Moses grows up and identifies with his people. Theme. Moses experiences a defining and life-changing moment in his adulthood. There are occasions in people's lives that are quite, as I put it, life-changing. They are dramatic. Uh, They set a course of action. And so it is in Moses' life. And so we're given a picture of this one day in Moses' life that's going to really determine his whole future. Key verse is Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So we begin with the idea that Moses reaches adulthood. Tells us in verse 11, when Moses had grown up, according to the book of Acts, Moses is about 40 years old at this time. Acts 7:22, 23, and Moses was educated in all the learning of Egyptians. Uh, the book of Genesis doesn't give us any of this information. He was a man of power in words and deeds. But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. So here is Moses, 40 years of age. And Moses' life is nicely divided into 40s. Here Moses is 40 years old. Moses is 80 years old when he confronts Pharaoh. Exodus 7-7, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83, when he spoke to Pharaoh. And Moses is a 120 years old when he dies. Deuteronomy 34.7 Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. So we have these three 40-year segments in Moses' life. We know very little about the intervening years. We don't know anything virtually about all of his upbringing in the palace. What it was like day by day. We're told that he was instructed in the learning of the Egyptians. Beyond that, it's a mystery. We really know very little of the 40 years that Moses is in the land of Midian. We're going to be told tonight about his taking a wife etc but after that it's dark it isn't well known which I think teaches us a few things first of all the nature of biblical narrative Uh, it is not to give us every detail about every event every circumstance but those things which are most notable for redemptive history to understand how God is at work and God is working out his redemptive plan. Secondly, it also teaches us that there are very significant points and times in our lives that uh, are very noteworthy. And then there are many days in which life just continues to go on. Not that they are unimportant, but many times they are not as uh, significant in terms of particular events. So, B... Moses goes out to see for himself what is going on with the forced labor of the Hebrews. Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. The emphasis in the verse is that Moses is a brother to the Hebrew people, for it is mentioned twice. Ephesians 2.11 Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren. Then the end of 2.11. He went out to his brethren, looked on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So here's this repeated phrase, which shows us that it is the most significant aspect of this particular verse. The emphasis is that he is a brother. Uh, He is a fellow Hebrew. And Moses is driven by a sense of sympathy towards his fellow Israelites. Exodus 2.11 Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. So we see that the motivating factor in Moses' life at this point is to see how his Hebrew brothers are doing. He doesn't just go out to check up on the work project just to see how the building is coming along. He doesn't just go out to view the scenery or to take in a sense of the administration of how all this is going about. He doesn't even go out to see how productive they are, but rather he goes out with the express intention of looking upon his brothers and their hard labors. He's sympathetic and he wants to see for himself All of the anguish, all the turmoil, all the hardship that his fellow uh, Israelites are experiencing. Number one, is Moses aware that he is a Hebrew? This is a question that some commentators ask. But I would submit to you that it would appear that Moses is very much aware that he is a Hebrew and that his concern is motivated by his personal faith in God. Uh, As you just think about his initial upbringing, he is raised by his mother, his uh, biological mother, until he is weaned. Now, that could be, depending on societal practices, anywhere from two to four years old in the ancient world. Uh, She could have communicated to him that he was his mother, etc., etc. Obviously, we don't know. All that would be speculative. We do know that Moses' name means uh, from the water. And that would have been a key uh, thought in Moses' life. Uh, his name means from uh, the water. But everybody in the palace knows that Pharaoh's daughter uh, did not give birth to this child. That he was a Hebrew. It's it's pretty unimaginable in, in my thinking that uh that story would not have been related to him by somebody. But that's the way uh, I would speculate. But we do have this in the New Testament, Hebrews eleven twenty-four: 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God. So here's a conscious choice in Moses' life. And he realizes that he has to make A choice. And that is between identifying with God's people or living comfortably, peacefully, luxuriously in the palace and uh, being treated as uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We find in Hebrews, it tells us, considering the approach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. So back to the narrative in the book of Genesis. He goes out to look upon the labors of his fellow Hebrews and when he comes, uh, he secretly killed an Egyptian for beating an Israelite. Moses is careful that he is unnoticed. So he looked this way and that. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Go to number three. Uh, point two is out of place. Three. Moses then kills the Egyptian. He struck down the Egyptian. And he gets rid of the body. He hid him in the sand. So here is this fight that is going on between an Egyptian and a Hebrew. He comes to the aid of the, of the Hebrew. Kills the Egyptian. Buries him in the sand. And thinks that it all goes unnoticed. However. However. Moses is then rejected. By his own people. Moses encounters two Hebrew men. That were fighting the next day. And he went out the next day. And behold two Hebrews. Were fighting with each other. And he intervenes in the situation. And says. Why are you striking your companion? Why is this fight taking place but the man resents Moses' intrusion in the man's affairs perhaps the man is afraid of being punished for Moses' crime and what I I mean by that is maybe the man is thinking that uh, when this is found out about what Moses did it's going to make life more miserable for all the Hebrews that they're all going to have to pay for this crime that, that Moses underwent And so, he says, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? The Hebrews were not concerned with protecting Moses. Then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. Observation. Here is a recurring theme in the book of Exodus. That Moses' leadership is rejected by an obstinate and disobedient people. Here is the precursor to that. It is the the foreshadowing. It is the glimpse into the future. That here is Moses coming to the aid of his people and they don't want his help. At least this obstinate and uh, difficult person did not. One would think that the Hebrews would have been happy... To have one such as Moses on their side. You would think that if Moses shows up being perceived as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he is sympathetic to the Hebrews that they would have welcomed him. That they would have embraced him fully. And would have been glad for his, his presence. But that's not the case. Then Moses is rejected by Pharaoh. Pharaoh here's what is taking place. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, Pharaoh tried to kill Moses. He tried to kill Moses. Uh, One would wonder, why? Why? Was it beyond the scope, the power's? The authority of Moses, after all, he is being treated as Pharaoh's daughter. It's hard to think that in a Pharaoh dynasty, that Moses, if he's being treated as Pharaoh's uh, grandson, (coughs) would not have the authority to take the life of an Egyptian. Uh, It would not have been against the law, is what I am uh, telling you in my estimation. But there's something else that's going on here. And that is, what Pharaoh had feared actually took place. Moses sided with his people over against the Egyptians. Now back in Exodus chapter 1, if you remember, Pharaoh had made a decree concerning the Hebrew children. And Pharaoh says, come let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply in the event of war, they also join themselves to those who hate us, and fight against us, and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor. And they built for Pharaoh storage cities, Python and Ramses. Then you remember that Pharaoh made a decree that all the male children of the Hebrews' Uh, should be killed, should be thrown into the Nile River. That's how Moses ends up in the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter plucks him out of the Nile. I said to you uh, two weeks ago that that Pharaoh must have known this is a Hebrew child uh, and for whatever reason, love for his daughter I can't tell you why, but he allows Moses to live. Now, Moses grows up and the very concern that this Pharaoh had from the very beginning was that these these Hebrews are going to join together and they're going to defend each other and fight against the Egyptians. And lo and behold, what happens? Moses grows up, sides with the Hebrews, and fights against an Egyptian. And so, Pharaoh is outraged. Now, think about it for a moment, just from... A humanistic standpoint pharaoh must have viewed moses as the most ingrate of all people no gratitude here moses's life is spared as a child he has the privilege of growing up in the palace we're told in the book of acts that he is educated by the egyptians And that he is living a luxurious lifestyle. And Pharaoh looks at Moses and says, Look how you repay me. Look look what you're doing. I spared your life. And I treated you as a grandson. And what do you do? You turn around and fight against my people. And you thwart My leadership and my purpose for the whole reason for the hard labor was to keep the Israelite people oppressed. And so Moses' action flew in the face of all that Pharaoh was trying to accomplish. And as a result, he wants to kill Moses. Next, Moses fled to a place outside of Pharaoh's jurisdiction. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters. So, who were the Midianites? Well, the Midianites were the sons of Abraham from his wife Keturah. Now, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. And she bore to him Zimran and Jokshan, and Maidan and Midian, and Ishbek, and Shua. So, Midian is the father of the Midianites, a descendant of Abraham through his wife Keturah. Now, an aside here, for what it's worth, it doesn't have anything to do with the narrative, but uh, it's important to keep in mind that after Sarah dies, that Abraham has all these children. Because uh, oftentimes the story is taught about Abraham and the birth of Isaac and the idea that that was a miracle. It was a miracle on the part of Sarah that she had a child because King James says it was no longer the way of women with her, meaning that uh, she didn't have her menstrual cycle anymore, she was past child rearing years. But Abraham, on the other hand, continued to father a lot of children. So, it wasn't really a miracle on the part of Abraham, but it was very much a miracle on the part of Sarah. Next, we're introduced to a priest in Midian. Now, the priest in Midian had seven daughters. It's an interesting introduction to who who Rule or Jethro is. And that is we are drawn to attention that he is a priest. The priest's name is Rule uh, in Exodus 2.18. And then later referred to in Exodus as Jethro. And there's been a lot of speculation as to why the two names. Why the two different names. And that's what it is, speculation. There's uh, nothing in the biblical text that reveals any insight into that. Other than the fact that it is obvious that they are the same two people uh, because of uh, the fact that uh, uh, it refers to Zipporah as being the daughter of Ruel or Jethro. Next, the priest becomes Moses' father-in-law. Now the priest had Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to rule their father he said why have you come back so soon today? So they said an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds and what is more he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. Uh, Why did they think that he was an Egyptian? Perhaps the way he dressed? Uh, Perhaps he led them to believe that? Whatever the case may be. And he said to his daughters where is he then? Why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. And Moses was willing to dwell with a man and he gave his daughter, Zipporah, to Moses. Now obviously time passes in this narrative. Again it's truncated to point out that this man becomes Moses' father-in-law and he has a child by Zipporah. Exodus 2.22 Then she gave birth to a son and he named him Gershom for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. We know nothing about Ruel except that he's a priest. If not a worshiper of the true God at this point, he certainly becomes a worshiper of the true God after the children of Israel delivered out of Egypt. Uh, he's a priest. But of what religion? What beliefs? What practices? Well, he's a descendant of Abraham, but he's not a descendant of Abraham through Isaac. So, he's not an Israelite. He's a He's a Hebrew. Uh, did he know about the true and living God? Might well have. We don't know anything about this man's religious practices. But later in his life, Exodus eighteen seven and following, it says, Then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. This is after uh, Moses has gone into the land of Egypt once again, delivered the children of Israel, comes back. Then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other their welfare, and went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had befallen them on the journey, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, and delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh, who delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God. So here he's offering sacrifices to God. Here he says that God is the great and almighty God above every other God. Did he come to that conclusion at that point in his life? Or was he convinced of these things earlier? We can't say definitively. But it appears, at least by Exodus 18, that he's a worshipper of God. In the narrative, we see Moses' having compassion on these ladies. Exodus 2.17. Then the shepherds came and drove them away Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. In the narrative, there's a great similarity between the actions of Moses and the actions of Isaac in Genesis 24 and the actions of Jacob in Genesis 29. There is this almost repeated story of how they come to a well and uh, they find that these young women are being uh, driven away by others and First it's Isaac, then it's Jacob, and now it's Moses who comes to the aid of these oppressed ladies and cares for not only them, but for their their animals. Exodus 2.18, when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, Why have you come back so soon today? So they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. They said to his daughters, Where is he then? Why is it you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. So the conclusion: First, the narrative serves four basic purposes in relating the events, <coughs> excuse me, of Moses' life. The first is to indicate that Moses fully identifies with the agony of his people; that that Moses' heart is touched by the oppression, by the burden of his fellow Hebrews and he wants to do something about it. This is the beginning of God's work in Pharaoh's heart to lead him to a place to deliver the people of God. Secondly, the second is to explain Moses' long sojourn in the land of Midian. It tells us why he went to Midian. It, It tells us the relationship that he has to Pharaoh while he's in Midian. And that is that Pharaoh is out to kill him. It tells us what happens when he's in Midian, only that he marries and becomes the son in law of the priest of Midian. So those two factors become very, very important, and that's why it's narrated. Third, to explain how mary Moses came to marry his Midianite wife, and lastly, to introduce us to Ruel Jethro, who will be very influential. In Moses' life. And in the life of Israel. Theologically. The narrative introduces us to some interesting motifs. First. We get a glimpse of the rejected deliverer. Of the children of Israel. uh, That. uh, They. Don't welcome. Moses as a deliverer. Right from the get go. And they still. When Moses shows up 40 years later. And begins to do the miracles before them. Are reticent. In following Moses. And then of course. In the uh, wilderness wanderings. Repeatedly. They. Speak ill. Of Moses leadership. And bring them into this wilderness. They say. To die. Secondly. We see how the deliverance of the children of Israel. Will serve the greater people of God. As well. When we were looking at the life of Joseph, I emphasized how God was at work not only in Joseph's life and the life of his family, but among all the children of Israel, and then among the Israelites, and then among all the surrounding nations, because it was God's purpose to save many people alive, not just the Israelites and that that famine had gone into the other nations. And so, though the Scripture focused on one particular family, Joseph, and then broadens to, to Israel, we're not to lose sight of what God is doing throughout the world. Here, we have that same kind of introduction. The narrative is going to focus in on one person, Moses. But it's bigger than Moses. It's what God is doing among the children of Israel and how he's going to lead them out of the land of Egypt just as he promised Abraham uh, 430 years previous. But it's bigger than that. Because not only are the children of Israel going to come out of the land of Egypt, but there are going to become many Egyptians that are going to go with them and uh, are identified with the people of God. And beyond that, there is this work that's being done among the Midianites through Jethro. And it just kind of left hanging there just as many of the years of, of Moses' life were left hanging there. We're not told about them. You see, the, the Midianites don't fit directly into the redemptive purpose or plan of God in the sense of descendants that are going to lead to the Messiah. But they do fit into the redemptive plan of God in the sense that God is a missional God who works beyond the children of Israel. And they are to be a blessing to the nations round about them. And here we see the beginning of that, even as uh, Moses becomes a son-in-law to the priest of Midian. Application. Here is a fine example of one who is willing to become poor in order to benefit those who are in great need. Hebrews 11.24 By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God. Moses, at this age of 40, the New Testament tells us, had put his faith and trust in God. That's one of the things that leads me to believe that he must have known about his Hebrew deliverance. He must have known about his early childhood. He must have known these things because he came to faith. Although we don't know anything about that process. We don't know who instructed him. We don't know who taught him. We don't know if he... uh, where that came from, but we do know that he was a believer in God and he was motivated by his faith to try to do something to alleviate the hardship and the difficulty of his people. And that he understood the consequences. He understood the danger. The very first time he intervenes, he's looking around to see if anybody notices because he realizes That he's putting his neck on the line to intervene in this situation of this Egyptian beating this Hebrew. And knowing that it could cost him personally a great deal is willing to do it. And he intervenes. And it's not appreciated. It's not welcomed. It's not honored by his brethren. Pharaoh finds out He has to flee. But Moses, Moses, identified with his people. And that whole scenario becomes the life-changing moment in Moses' life. He can't go back at this point. Uh, His course is set. He has chosen his people over the Egyptians. And that's going to have all kinds of ramifications in his life. Probably the most life-changing event in your life is when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. It set you on a course of action to follow God and not to follow the peoples of this world. It probably influenced who you married if you were saved as a child. It probably influenced your vocation, your calling, your work, your worship, the way that you rear your children. Everything has come under now the authority of God. And you regularly make conscious choices to do what God would have you to do Regardless of the personal consequences that may come upon you, such as financially, you choose to tithe, even though it means that there's going to be less for you to have at the end of the month. You may decide that you are going to use your vacation to somehow serve God. There are many, many ways that people now sacrifice, as it were, as a result of this life-changing moment of having identified with Jesus Christ and pursuing His will and His desire above all other things. Uh, So it was in the life of Moses. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your great goodness and grace. And we ask that You would help us as we look at the life of Moses. May we learn much, not only about Moses and about Your people, but us as a part of Your people. And may we see the great redemptive plan and purpose of the Almighty God Being worked out even in our lives, and in the ultimate return of the Lord Jesus. For it's in His, excuse me, name we pray. Amen. Thank you.